Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's that many people here over 70. But you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm 62 and I grew up on, on Led Zeppelin, uh, Black Sabbath, God forbid, but you know, um, ACDC. And I think the generation before that, you know, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and now we get to like 16, 17, we say, don't turn up the volume. So (laughs) I just want to just say, uh, it can be a problem, I know. But, you know, I actually take earplugs with me to churches. And I'm not kidding, because if you minister in a black church, the volume is cranked up to distortion, you know. So I put, a, put earplugs in, but part of what the Lord said to me about this sound, I used to be an Anglican minister, and you know, there's this big debate that goes on about sound and uh, the soft hymns and all that kind of thing. You know, the Lord said to me, Gary, you need to lay down your life for those who are coming after you. And you know, I, I just want to just say that about this sound issue. Don't take offense in it, like do something practical, but guys, us guys our age, let's lay down our lives for the generation that's coming up. Amen. It's, it's an act of servanthood, you know. It's an act of, of, of love. And they might say, oh, well, they need to love us and, you know. But when we were younger, we cranked it up, guys. Who cranked it up when they were younger? Come on. Let's be honest. <laughs> Who had a Walkman? Remember the Walkman? <laughs> no wonder we're half deaf. No wonder my ears buzz. <laughs> it's not their fault. <laughs> but... Uh, so this morning I want to want to do. Um, I just, just wanted to encourage, you know. Uh, and at the end we're going to kind of have some activation. Um, I actually wanted to greet my friends Abby and Sandile. Where's Where's Sandile gone? So okay, so Sandile's not here, but I wanted to greet them. They're here this morning and say welcome to you. You've been long-term partners with me um, down in the Valley of a Thousand Hills, ministering, and they're still ministering there. And amazing people really given it up for the Lord. Um, I wanted to talk this morning about encouragement, and I wanted to talk about the new covenant. So it's funny, like uh, for the last two weeks, the Lord's been talking to me about the new covenant and the, and the importance of understanding the covenant we're in. And then last night, I've got all these notes, and you know, I, I get quite nervous when I preach. You know, every, every time, I've been preaching 25 years, but every time I preach, it's like I'm preaching for the first time. You know, it's like my heart goes and I'm ah, sweating, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, uh, but last night the Lord said to me, no, uh, I, I, I want to activate prophecy today. I said, Lord, but what about all the stuff, you know, that you've given me? And, and, and I started having this like vision of us prophesying today. So later on, we're going to do some prophetic work, okay, some prophetic encouragement in the Lord. Now, I know often when I come to church, I like to sit in the pew, and, and actually, to be honest with you, quite often, I think, I hope nothing much too, hap- you know, m- nothing too strenuous happens today. <laughs> I just want to sit and listen. But you know, we are called to be the body of Christ together. It's not about the guy up front doing everything. It's about the body of Christ ministering to one another. We are the priesthood of all believers, okay? It's not about a priest or the man of God or the woman of God doing everything and bringing the Word. It's about us. The Word dwells in us richly, and we are called, called to encourage one another in faith. So later on, we're going to split into some groups, and we're going to actually prophesy over each other. But before I do that, I want to read from 2 Corinthians. 
John starts me off. <laughs> I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, <clears throat> the reason I want to do this is because, you know, I minister in a lot of churches, um, in a lot of places, and, and speak to a lot of Christians, do a lot of counseling and encouragement to young people. And one of the biggest problems I see is people often understand who they are in Christ because we've had this whole thing of sonship poured out over the last years. But they often don't understand the covenant that they're in. And it's very important to understand we, God is a God of relationships and his relationships are based on covenants right from the beginning. A covenant, a, a, an agreement, an agreement made and sealed in blood. Okay, right from the beginning there were these covenants. And guys, I want to just say to them, if you mix the covenants, you're mixing life with death. Okay? If you mix the covenants, you mix in life with death. Now, it's not me saying that. Let me just say something. I am not anti the law. I am pro the law. But the law is used for a specific purpose of revealing our unrighteousness and need for a Savior. Okay? The law is not something it is possible to live by. Amen. Now, you might think, you know, like, no, no, we have to live by the external implementation of the law. But let me, re let me read what the Word, who believes in the Word of God? Who believes in the Bible, what the Bible says? Okay, if we believe what the Bible says, we need to read it, and we need to believe it. Amen. I mean, it's logical, but yet I find so many people, you know, um, I've sat under some teachings, uh, uh, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what covenant is this guy preaching out of? He preaches Moses, 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 Moses. But we're called to preach Christ. There's one better than Moses, and that's Jesus. Let me say that. We preach Christ. We don't preach Moses. We are not, nowhere does it say we disciples of Moses. It says we are sons of Abraham, the man of faith, and sons of God. Amen. And in fact, the massive clash that went on in the New Covenant Church was this clash between the Mosaic Jewish Christians always wanting to revert back to the old law of works and self-righteousness and people like Paul who preached the gospel of grace, the gospel of the New Covenant. It's if you read right from the beginning of time, it's about how will you get right with God? How will you get righteous? How will you get righteous? Will you be like a Muslim which has to work righteousness? Okay, that's, that's a Muslim religion. Work righteousness. It's a Jewish religion. Work righteousness. You get right with God by your works or you think you do. But you know what? You can never do it. Our righteousness comes by not by works, but by belief in the finished work of the cross. Amen. That's it. That's how you are righteous. Righteousness now has been revealed that is by faith from first to last, Romans 3. And it's important we understand this because this is what it says. If we don't understand this and we mix covenants, listen to this. Okay, so if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting at verse 6. God has made us competent ministers. He has made us competent ministers of a new covenant. 
And the new covenant was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. The new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Listen to that. The letter kills. Now you're going to say, well, what, what is the letter? So what it says, it defines what the letter is now. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone. Guys, what, what do you know in the Bible that was engraved on letters of stone? There's only one. It's the Ten Commandments. It was, there were letters engraved on stone. And it says here that that letter brings death. But it came with glory. I mean, there was a glory on Moses, okay, when he bought the, bought the, came down off the, of Mount Sinai. So the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory, fading though it was. It was a fading glory. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation, listen to that. So the ministry of the law, of focusing on the Ten Commandments and the Jewish law and legalism, not only brings death, but it brings condemnation. What does Romans 8.1 say? For now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Can you see? Christ is fulfilling the law. He's saying there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But if you place yourself under the law, if you place yourself into works righteousness, into I must, I have to, I should, instead of Jesus has, Jesus did, and Jesus will. If you place yourself in the focus of yourself and your good works, I promise you, you will come to death, condemnation, and the fruit of those things, let me tell you, is sickness, anxiety, and fear. Because you can't make the grade. You cannot make the holiness of God. Amen. Do you believe this? Can you see it? So, you know, when we read out of the old covenant, I'm not saying the old's bad. We read the old, but we read it because it's forcing us and driving us towards the new covenant, to something better. It's driving us to his knees and say, Lord, I cannot do this. You see, it says that Israel sought a righteousness. I think it's in Romans 10 to 12. It says they sought a righteousness that was, was by works, and they never achieved it. And yet I see so many Christians preaching out of the law. One of the, one of the um, ministers that ministered to us, the name of his ministry was Mosaic, Mosaic Ministries. You know, this is, a, this is a, a, a new covenant preacher, but he's called himself like Moses Ministries. You know, and, and, and I'm telling you, I actually came away from those teachings and physically came under, like, came under sorry, I came under condemnation because I thought, I can never match up to this guy. I can never make it. I'm, I'm actually not good enough. You know, and I try to live a kind of fairly, I try radical Christian life. You know, that was, that's what Annette and myself determined to do. But, you know, listening to these guys, I'm like, ah, these guys are way, way out there. And, and I came under condemnation, came under guilt. Lena, have I given up enough? Have I done enough? Have I sacrificed enough? Have I obeyed enough? You, can you, you with me? And the Lord reminded me, he, says, he said, um, Gary, you are not under the law. You are under grace. Romans 6, you are not, that, that's what Paul preached, and he had the revelation from the risen Lord. He says, you are not under the law, you are under grace. Stop 
condemning yourself. And I see so many Christians condemn themselves. I see guys going through afflictions. Now let me tell you something. We are caught to enter into Christ's suffering. So Romans 8, so that we can enter into the glory. But the suffering for Christ is the persecution for the gospel. It doesn't mean that you're just going to have a hard time. You with me? The suffering it talks about, when Paul said we suffer for Christ, he went and preached the gospel, and he got stoned. And by the way, the guys that stoned him, many of them were Jewish Christians that wanted to implement the law. So the suffering that we suffer are not just the sufferings of the world, but when we suffer for Christ, it's for preaching the gospel, for standing up for what is the gospel. Amen. So get it out of your head that as a Christian, you just meant to summer suffer. And maybe, maybe take a little one of the, you know, those Catholic whips and, you know. That's what, that's what guys do. You know, you saw the Da Vinci Code. You know, the guy straps some It must be true, you know. Must be true. <coughs> Those ascetic guys <laughs> want to suffer, you know. Let's hurt myself. We're not called to suffer for like that. We're called to suffer for preaching the gospel. What did Jesus say he'd come to do? John 10, 10. Famous thing. He said, I've come that you may have abundant full life. Amen. But the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. So it's simple. If in your life you're going through great difficulties and hardship and attack, and your life's being depleted and robbed, who's it coming from? It's coming from the enemy. And we need to resist. We do not need to passively accept it. You know, I hear people saying, you know, I fall short and God's punishing me. Even in this day and age, I, I, I hear people saying, I've got cancer and, and it's good because I've never been closer to God. Let me just say, sorry, there's not to condemn anybody who feels that because I think in sickness we do feel close to God often. He's our comfort. But you know, the implication often from people is God is making me sick to teach me a lesson. God is, God is taken, God is a God who gives and take away, Job. We are not under the covenant of Job. Let me just say that. Job was a self-righteous man. If you don't believe me, read Job 31, where he lists all his righteous acts, and he says to God, this is my defense. And in the end, Job says, Lord, I didn't know you. I misunderstood you. We are not afflicted. God is not a God. You know the Matt Redman song, he gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. That means his promises are yes and no. But what does the Word of God say? He says his promises are yes and Amen. You see, under Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law. Okay, you can read it. It says, if you do what's right, you get blessed. If you do what's wrong, you get cursed. So God is yes when you do right. God is no when you do wrong. That is the law. But we're not under that. We're not under that. Guys, we need to expect to live an abundant life. Poverty is not an abundant life. Sickness is not an abundant life. As Christ is in heaven, so we are here. So when we experience sickness, when we experience lack, stop thinking that you can't resist it because it's of God. God wants to give us abundant life. 
He wants us to be a witness to the nations. He wants to prosper us. It says, Christ became poor that we should be rich in every way. The exchange of the cross. See, Jesus didn't say, I became poor, therefore you must be poor. He said, I became poor that you may become rich. Oh, God forbid this guy's preaching the prosperity gospel. Now, the prosperity gospel is based on works. Let me say that. It's, it, it's like you give, you go and do, and you expect back a hundredfold. The gospel of grace is you receive what you don't deserve. You see, he, he says he became sin that we should become the righteousness of God. It doesn't say follow Christ's example and become sin. You, you with me? Follow Christ's example and become poor. Follow Christ's example and become a curse. Jesus became all those things. It says, no, he became a curse that you should be blessed. Amen. He became poor that you should become rich so that you can bless others. That's the purpose of wealth and prosperity. He became sickness, became like a snake. John, John 3, 15, he became like a snake on a pole. He became sickness. He became disease on the cross. That's why people couldn't look at him so that we should have health. Can you see? But if we believe, you know, that we've got to take all that stuff on because Christ took it on and God's given us sickness because then we can empathize with those who are sick. It's a lie from hell, let me tell you. We need to offer the world hope. We need to encourage the world out there and say there's a better way in Christ. You see, this says that there's glory in the old covenant. But in the new covenant, there's even more glory, and it doesn't fade. We need to enter into that, okay? So the ministry that brings condemnation is the law. But the ministry that brings righteousness is the ministry of Jesus and the spirit of life. <laughs> you know, I had two pictures. Um, when we understand this covenant, when we understand the power of this covenant, and it is sealed not in our blood, but in the blood of Jesus. And it's sealed once and for all. Okay, Jesus said in Luke, I think it was 22, he said, this is my body and this is the blood of the new covenant shed once and for all. See, it's the finished work of the cross. So you and me are totally entitled to the benefits and the blessings of abundant life not because what we do, but because who we are. And who we are is we're part of the body of Christ. We hung on the tree with Christ. We were co-crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ, but now Christ lives in me. So where is Christ? Where is Jesus? So, you know, we, we're not Jews that like to, oh, Lord, we're going to worship and we're going to call you down. Please come down and visit us. It's not about visitation anymore. It's about habitation. It's about Christ has come to live in us, the hope of glory. Emmanuel, God with us. He will never leave. He doesn't come and go like the old. See, under the old covenant, you read it, and you see the Spirit of God came, and the Spirit of God went. And that's the mindset we have. We say, oh, geez, I've been a naughty boy this week. Spirit of God's left me. It's a lie. Don't mix the covenants, guys. So I just want to just say this covenant, this new covenant, totally qualifies us to move in the power of the Spirit. Who here has the Spirit of Christ in them? Okay, 
It says, actually, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to Christ. Okay, so, and then we need to pray for you at the end, get born again and saved. But we've all got the Spirit of Christ in us. So we've all got this ministry of the new covenant in us. You see, that's why when, when we pray, we don't look up and pray. We look down. Christ in us. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> I was wondering why Christians bow your heads. They're looking at Jesus. <laughs> it says, from your belly will flow a stream of living water by which he meant the Holy Spirit. Amen. So one of the things of the Spirit is to encourage each other. I could preach for a week on this thing of the new covenant. But one of the things, you know, I had a picture. So when we understand, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me. Amen. And he said, now you go into the world and make disciples. And also it says, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. So he said to us, you go. You see, often when we pray prayers, we say, Lord, please heal me. Lord, please bless. And the Lord's saying, I've done all that. I'm calling you now to do it. So when we pray for someone for sickness, we don't pray, Lord, please heal them. We pray, be healed in the name of Jesus. We speak into it because who is it speaking? It's Christ in you speaking. See, it's, it's him in you that drives out the demons. Him in you that heals the sick. Him in you that prophesies. And you just all said you've got the spirit of Christ in you. So we can all do this stuff. Amen. We are all part of the body of Christ. You've been baptized into his death. You are dead. So you can be raised to life in him. So we walk in now in the abundant resurrection life of Jesus. The same spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, I love preaching to myself. <laughs> I'm telling you, I get excited when I preach. Because I think, where's this coming from? But it's Christ in me. You're with me. <laughs> I had a picture. See, when we understand all authority was given to him and we are part of his body, our life is hidden in Christ and we are hidden in him and we are one with him, then we have that same authority. So I had this picture. I used to have a little dog called Chippy, Chippy the dog. And Chippy was a little miniature black uh, Jack Russell, naughty little thing. And he used to keep on diving into our bed, you know. So often we'd like come to bed at night and there would be Chippy like lying there under the, he used to like get under the duvet and lie there, you know. So Chippy's a little dog like that. You know, so I knew my authority with with. Chippy, I used to say, Chippy, down. And, you know, no problem. Chippy used to jump off the bed and run out to his little blankie, you know, and go to sleep there. But you imagine one day I come into the room and I see like a, a 60 kg Rottweiler on the bed. You know, the first thing I ask myself, where's Chippy? <laughs> but no, you know, <laughs> but the first thing you ask yourself is actually, have I got the authority to do the same thing with this big monster than I have with Chippy? But you know, do you know that they say dogs don't recognize their sizes, eh? You know, like little Chippy dogs this big will attack a big Rottweiler. To them, they're all big. You know, we need to be like that. We need to understand we have the authority of Christ. We want to tell that thing to go. It's no different than telling the little Chippy dog to go. You know, it's like, get out! Speak with authority. But you see, unbelief comes in. And the same for you and me. You know, there's circumstances of life that come against us. 
and we start to feel it's too big for us to resist. The other picture I had last night was, was uh, in, in James, I think it says, you know, resist the devil and he will flee. And I, and I saw that I was like a lamb in this circle, and around me was this lion prowling, waiting to devour me. And I'm like, like a lamb led to the slaughter. I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said to me, jump at the lion. This was like in a dream. And I jumped, and as I jumped, rah! The lion of Judah came out, and I was transformed from a lamb into a lion. And I chowed the other lion. I chowed the lion that was, <laughs> that, was, that was pestering me, like a silly dream. But you know, that's the reality of who we are. We, 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 we sheep, we got sheep, but the lion of Judah lives in us. And in the book of Amos, he talks about uh, the lion. He says, <coughs> he says, the lion roars, in Amos 3, the lion roars, and who can help but prophesy? Hey, amazing thing. The lion roars. Who can help but prophesy? You see, we have the lion of Judah in us. So these circumstances that are weighing us down and swamping us in life. Guys, we need to resist them. Don't give in to them. Don't think it's God punishing you. We need to roar against them. As lambs, we need to roar. <laughs> this is wacko stuff, eh? <laughs> but can you see in the spirit? Can you feel in the spirit what God's saying? See, we, we call to live life in the spirit. That's what that 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 is all about. Living life in the spirit, not in the natural. You know, I get up every morning and, and, and I speak to myself in the mirror. And I prophesy over myself. You know, I posted something on Facebook the other day about raising someone from the dead. I've seen that happen. And, and, and the comment, because there was a thing about all these guys being raised from the dead. And I posted a bit of a testimony, and someone came back and said to me, you are insane. And I said, well, actually, people do say that. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I'm crazy for Jesus. You know, I, I, I want to I live that crazy life. So when circumstances come against me and circumstances come against you, don't passively sit there saying, oh, this is God's will for me. He's teaching me a lesson. The lesson he wants to teach you is to live an abundant, full, overflowing, bubbling life of joy, love, and peace in Christ. That's the lesson. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not depression, fear, and anxiety. And if you've got those things, guys, I've struggled with those things. Resist them. Resist the devil and he will flee. Stop saying it's from God. Amen. So one of the ways we call to encourage it, I just sensed over, over Hillside, there's a lot of discouragement. And I'm not quite sure why, because this is an amazing church. Prophetically, it's, it's amazingly prophetic. Chris Volatine in, in, in 2013, I believe, said, we are going to be a prophetic church. Full of prophets. Well, guess what prophets do? They prophesy. Amen. They don't sit there just receiving. They give out. And we've all got the Spirit of God in us, so we can all prophesy. Prophecy is very simple. Let me tell you something. It's encouragement. It says in 2 Corinthians 14, 13, it says, talks about love. And then it goes in 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 14, sorry, 
It says, follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy, it goes on to say, is for the edification and building up and encouragement of the church. Who wants to be encouraged this morning? I don't know about you, but I, I, I do. I want to be encouraged. So what we're going to do, we're actually going to take some bold steps. <laughs> Everyone's thinking, oh, no. <laughs> we're going to prophesy over each other. We're going to edify each other. Now, the simplest form of edification is maybe you've never prophesied before, but it's just to bless someone. It's just to speak. You can, you can look at someone and just speak the blessings of God over them. And you see, prophecy requires faith. And faith requires a foundation that you are perfectly qualified in Christ to do this. That's why the new covenant's important. It's not some of us, it's all of us. So what we're going to do, we're going to split into some groups, and I'm, and I'm going to try to get you in couples. You can stay together, okay? But I'm going to try to get you in some groups of probably about eight people. We're going to put someone in the middle, and we're going to just prophesy over them. All that I want you to do is close your eyes. Like for Amos and Jeremiah, the Lord said to them, what do you see? What do you see? So close your eyes, and whatever you see, you just speak. I, I remember one size, I, I, I was prophesying over a guy at a New Wine Leaders Retreat, and I saw oranges being squeezed, and it was this big burra oki. You know, you're a man with cocky pants and from the free state. And I said, yeah, man, I don't know what I, you know, got this amazing word for you. Yeah. I see oranges being squeezed. And, and then I just see, and I just see, like, as, as the juice is running into, into the pot, I just see rands just flowing out. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, this guy's going to, like, think I'm crazy. And then we carried on praying, and at the end, the guy said, said, yeah, he said, I'm an orange farmer. And my business is on, the la on its last legs. Can you see? Silly picture. You see, it's not your job to... To, to come with something profound and intellectual. Our jobs as prophets and, and, or people that prophesy. We're not all prophets, but we can all prophesy. Our job is to, is to build up the church. It says in the book of Acts, uh, uh, Judah, Judas and Silas, he said they went around prophesying and encouraging the church. So we want to prophesy to each other today. Now, let me just say this. It might be you might look at someone you might be saying, oh, my heart's beating. I'm not going to say anything. Just share whatever. The Lord might put a scripture in your mind, two words, or, or speaking in tongues over someone. We can do this stuff. Let me, if you don't get anything, let me tell you what you do. Make something up. I'm not kidding. Make something up. Think about a good story you can... And I'm telling you, that's what, that's, 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 what, that's what I do. Do you know why? Because I have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of Christ lives in me. So when I'm making things up, it's the Holy Spirit putting it. That, it's as simple as that. You don't have to be right or you don't have to be wrong. 
You just simply say whatever's coming to you. What do you think? Should we give it a go? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the purpose is not to condemn because that's an old prophet. The old prophets had a different ministry, guys. This was all about warning and doom and gloom. They, they came to a mountain that could be touched, but it was doom and gloom and fire and fear. We have come to the joyous mountain of Mount Zion where we edify each other. <laughs> so we're gonna, the purpose is to edify. The purpose is to... Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.